everyone and welcome to the Future of Work podcast series. This is your host Ella Wong from Leeds University Business School. Hi, this is Mark Stewart, University of Leeds Career Service. Um, so in the last episode, me and Mark started a new conversation on the future of skills. We discussed some of the current trends and how they're going to impact on the future of skills. We know that digital and AI technologies are transforming the world of work and that today's workforce will need to learn new skills and learn to continuously adapt as new occupations emerge. We also know that the COVID-19 crisis has accelerated this transformation. We are less clear, however, about the specific skills tomorrow's employees will require. So in today's episode, we would like to continue to focus on this theme to explore further with the industry practitioner. And we have the pleasure to have one of our alumna, Nicole Luke, on the show, who is one of the first cohorts graduated from MSc Business Psychology in 2014. Since her graduation, Nicole worked in London and subsequently moved to Hong Kong to further build her career in business psychology. Nicole spent six years with a management consulting firm focusing on the future of work, organization design, and ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Nicole recently completed her secondment with the World Economic Forum as a project fellow, supports building intellectual property under the future of work, good work standards, and the S space for ESG. With all her accomplishment, it's difficult to introduce Nicole in one breath, really. Now, with the wealth of knowledge in the fields that Nicole has, we're very much looking forward to discussing this topic with her. So, Nicole, it's great to have you back and pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, likewise. I'm super excited and I think it is much of an honor for me to come back to, uh, you know, Leeds Business School and contribute in terms of wisdom and hopefully through this podcast, I'll be able to inspire people to get into the field and be excited about future work. Absolutely. So I understand you have recently embarked on a new adventure as the Vice President of Talent Development and Organization Development at Hong Kong Exchanges and Clear Unlimited. So would you like to start by telling us a little bit more about your current role and all the work that you've been doing, please? Yeah, um, I, first of all, love my job because I think I found a role I'll be able to really create new jobs, new skills, and future-proof an organization. So what I essentially do is to really look at human as a kind of resource in the organization. So you know how we always look at how can we get better technology? How can we be more productive and efficient? But I'm kind of putting a lens of how can we make people more effective and productive in an organization so that we can create better impact for the country and ultimately the world. That sounds very exciting, Cole. And uh, I look forward to uh, hearing more progress from you on these projects and your you know, future work. Um, I mean, in the last episode, Mark and I discussed some trends that might concern our graduates. So before we discuss the future of skills, let me start by asking you, what is work, please? 
Yeah, that's a very difficult question, right? Because I think that's something that is quite personal for, for everyone. I mean, at the end of the day, what we do see is that there is the changing nature of work. And this is nothing to do with how we perceive work. It's, it's also kind of like a byproduct because of the pandemic or the kind of the constant change that we're experiencing. I'll give you a few examples. Because of pandemic, we see that there is um, acceleration of digital process. Uh, we also see that uh, we can work remotely now. We see that probably people contribute in terms of their expertise on certain tasks rather than like a full job. So what I'm actually seeing is the new way of shaping what work is in some ways that we're breaking down what we traditionally think as roles or jobs into key skills, into key tasks, uh, so that we'll be able to uh, meet the demands of what we see a lot in organization, which is agility and, and constant adaptation. Absolutely. I think that's really interesting. And you mentioned from the nature of work, what is work going into skills. So my next question is, what is the trend in the future of skills that you're seeing around the world at the moment, please, Nicole? Yeah, I, I love this question because I have two layers of answers. I think one, uh, based on my recent publication and as a contributor for uh, Good Work Standards, we see that the future skills uh, definitely moved from manual jobs such as data entry clerks or because um, it, it's really based on the demands, right? So anything that's more manual, anything that is um, less about digital is definitely decreasing. We see a trend in obviously data analytics because we want to constantly predict and anticipate what's next. And data is something that can really help facilitate that thinking. Uh, we see a lot of um, data in general. The reason being is because as we are a little bit less attached to physical room, physical working in, in workspace, we communicate with data, we, we make decisions based on data. So we see that future skills is very much about digitalization, data, uh, analytics, and all of that. We, we also see a lot of interesting skills. Uh, this is the second layer I'm talking about. We call it human skills. Um, I personally think it's, it's getting more and more important because as automation is taking over some of the more uh, tedious work or manual work, we start to highlight and resurface the importance of building relationships, uh, building service, uh, building what we call experience. And that's something robots can never take over, I, I would argue. Um, it's, it's that human touch. So we see a lot more trends where people focus more on uh, critical thinking, uh, analytical thinking, system thinking, negotiation, or even like sometimes right now we call it digital leadership skills. So it's a very long answer of your short question. Uh, but as you can see, there's definitely trends where we elevate what digital, it's really 
good at, but also re-emphasizing how human beings are so unique uh, by itself, which is creating experience, human touch, emotions, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, I think that's a really good all-rounder uh, <laughs> of, a, of a sort of opening that you give us, you know, in terms of the future of skills. Um, I think before Mark jumps in, um, you mentioned you mentioned a leader. So I'm going to ask the next question, and, and I'm sure Mark will have a lot to, uh, to follow up on, is what do you think will be the new jobs of the future defined by the leaders? Okay, so, so there's definitely a textbook answer, but there's also going to be like another one based on my observation. I think when it comes to the textbook answer, all leaders are trying to figure out how to maintain agility. The reason being is because no leaders really know what's going to happen next. Um, I think in this world, we have experienced for the past three years, we, we don't really know how much we can control. So the best way to uh, succeed in this world is to maintain flexible, agile, and hence, therefore, what they're going to ask from students or, or the workforce are skills that are um, gearing towards um, analytical thinking. Now, this will cause um, creation of jobs, uh, which is more of like, as I mentioned, right, like data analysts, data scientists, machine learning, AI, big data specialists. These are the ones uh, that can actually create the information uh, or justification that leaders may require to make quick decisions. Um, there are also other things that you would see. Um, there are new jobs such as called like the director of remote working. There are also jobs that focus on well-being now because, as I mentioned, and also the paper that recently published, uh, we we look at total well-being a lot more holistically now because of the new ways of working. You may experience uh, different kinds of pressure and we do understand that there is such a talent shortage, so we can't just use human beings as just uh, intellectuals or, or intellects. We actually need to take care of them so that it's all sustainable. So we see uh, there's a little bit growth when it comes to employee experience, anything relating to that. Uh, we also see a little bit on um, how people are connecting to each other, right? Like looking at social media, so you would see their interesting jobs, uh, looking at consumer behavior or also just like how people are connected, such as we see like jobs called like social media analysts, just looking at how information is being shared because we do witness um, the power of communication and also marketing uh, to boost this idea. So these are just some of the points that I observe as of now. And again, we don't know what's next, but leaders are definitely concerned uh, over these items and therefore creation of these jobs. Hi, Nicole, it's Mark here. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Questions, just following up on this. I've got, I've got a few things in no particular order. The first one is obviously you've gone through mm -hmm. a lot of skills uh, for the future of work. I'm just wondering in terms of the more technical sort of knowledge that students will need to, to understand, can you, can you Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure, sure, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, I will comment on this based on the top 10 emerging jobs that we're seeing. So then um, we can we can kind of map out what skills are required. So right now we do see that 
there's an increasing number of jobs such as software and application developers and analysts jobs. And I think behind that, it's not just coding. Obviously, when it comes to technical skills, different languages may be useful. So the typical Python, the typical C+, like, and all of that. Uh, but I do think it's important that you stay close to uh, what's the latest because technology is ever evolving. So I don't want to say that I'm an expert in this, but if you know the destination is to apply for a software, an application developer, it's important to know uh, what are some of the technical skills behind it. There are also other jobs such as uh, organizational development specialists like myself. So the technical skills when it comes to that um, is actually having the domain knowledge of your particular industry. Uh, so currently right now I work in financial services. It's very important that you have the knowledge of how the industry is growing. What are the regulations? Uh, so you know your boundaries and also knowing project management. Um, nowadays, it's not just about understanding what's within the textbook, but more importantly is to know how can you um, really leverage the resources around you so that you can achieve the strategic goals that's set by your leaders. So these are just some examples. Um, there are also, also other technical skills depending on which industry you're talking about. So there's also a boom when it comes to healthcare professionals. I think that's also very important given that now everyone is very much concerned over their total well-being. So, and again, I'm not an expert when it comes to healthcare professionals, but those technical skills and getting that qualification will be helpful to support your career path moving forward. Great, thank you. Um, can I ask as well, what, what type of jobs do you think are at risk? I know you mentioned about manual handling and those type of things, but what, do, you, do you think any specific jobs? Yeah, there, there are. And again, that we see um, there's some sort of top 10 declining jobs, and I'll name a few just to support my answer. I think um, data entry clerks, um, mainly not because of this particular title, just it's because of the, the task required, right? So right now we see that technology can um, take over any sort of data entry because now that we have platforms now, users can plug in their own numbers. We also see that um, such as a client, a customer service worker, I think with your experience walking into supermarkets now or even in any sort of shopping centers that a lot of automation is taking over the, um, the cash, you know, the cashier and all of that. So we do see that technology might take over some of these jobs and which would cause some sort of risk. Um, we also see that automation is being introduced into many supply chains. So uh, theoretically, assembly factory workers, uh, these are some of the jobs that might be at risk as well. Uh, there are also general and operations managers. And again, I, I would say that one of the main reasons why these jobs are at risk uh, is because of automation, it's not because of the value. Uh, so I just want to make sure we interpret this correctly. But all in all, um, anything that is being threatened by automation will be at risk at this point. Great, thank you. I'm just going to ask uh, another one, if that's okay. Um, in terms of student knowledge, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of change at the minute. Do you, do you have any sort of recommendations for general websites that students should be sort of reading, looking up at, you know, setting up alerts so that they're notified of these changes? Yes, yes. 
There are so many trusted uh, sources out there. Uh, given my background, obviously, I would suggest uh, the World Economic Forum. I think anywhere uh, that is very research-based, that has a global coverage, will be something that you want to stay close with, um, because these are great platforms where they constantly hold conversations with world leaders and also um, experts, so they can actually capture the landscape as soon as possible. So uh, just to recap, I think World Economic Forum is absolutely great. Uh, subscribe to their emails or even their LinkedIn will be definitely a great head start. I think the World Bank is amazing. Um, and again, if you're if you're very interested in a certain industry, stay close to a particular geography and subscribe to the chambers, subscribe to the ambassadors or even some leaders. Because right now, I think it's more important to be exposed to multiple sources and then to cross-validate then also form your own opinion. I think that's very important as students, right? Um, it is to really have your own strong point of view. And once you have all of these sort of ingredients gathered, you'll be able to make the right next move uh, and, and guide your career path moving forward. Thank you, Nicole. I think that's all really interesting, especially I picked up um, the jobs that you said that are going at risk but rather than the jobs that you mentioned is the task required. So that made me think mm. the next question, which is, you know, what, what skills would it be brand new or do you think they're more transferable into the future? And which one do you think that will remain from the skills that we need today, please? Yeah, I think the increasing demands when it comes to skills um, is any skills that supports machine learning, AI, and digitalization and transformation. So this could be anything all the way, as I mentioned a few times, right? So uh, cybersecurity, because the more we share data, the more we put everything on cloud-based, that would be uh, a skill set to have. I experience this a lot when it comes to financial services, because while we're trying to put everything up in the cloud, we're also being threatened by you know, the security and the risk management that comes along with it. I also mentioned transformation. I think project management is very, very important. Change management is very, very important because change is like the new norm nowadays. Like, I don't think we expect any sort of stability anytime soon to have that sort of skill sets. And, and it's definitely emerging uh, moving forward. Uh, as I mentioned quite a few times, human skills. I know there's also like... Um, uh, kind of a myth thinking that a lot of jobs are being taken over by machines or robots or AIs. That's not particularly true because if you really look at the stats, uh, while, so this is from the World Economic Forum, while we have 75 million jobs probably being taken over by machinery or AI or, or, or automation, there's also 133 million jobs being created. So there's actually net positive of everything. And where, where this has all come from is because we start to study internally and look at what human beings are good at. And it's everything about um, you know, creation, uh, uh, even art nowadays, or even experience, anything that gives like a great experience or emotional touch is something that we see. And I don't think there's actually a long list of what these skills are. It's just anything that contributes to that. Now, you also mentioned, like, what are some of the things that we see stability? Um, I think when it comes to um, 
uh, a data, just anything data, I, I think it's, it, we're, we're in a data world. I think it's still gonna be very, very strong uh, moving forward for the next, um, I don't know, 10, 15 years, just cause I think this is like, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's our new way of thinking nowadays, right? Everything that you need to justify any decisions that we're making, we highly, highly rely on that. So I do think that it was important, it will be important, and it, it is so very important. Uh, when it comes to decreasing skills, I think, um, I mean, the, the best word to really describe it is anything that's being threatened by efficiency um, or anything that a machine can do instead. I would say uh, what I mentioned, right? Data entry clerks is a very, very typical example. The, the value that it creates currently right now is just input. Um, but but I, I want to also highlight that even though we have that shrinking needs of that particular data entry clerk, this particular person can be upskilled and become someone what we call a data analyst or someone who, who can look at data from a more insightful way. So I don't want to say that that incumbent is gone. We just need to kind of reskill them to make sure we feed it back into the workforce. And, and that's a whole phenomenon that we've been talking about, which is skills, reskill, upskill. And, and I hope we all take this sort of information with a very optimistic lens. That's great, Nicole. Um, Mark, have you got any follow-up questions from that? Yeah, Nicole, can I ask a, a slightly probably controversial one, maybe? Um, and it's very yeah. topical. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the sort of acceleration of technology has, has, has come about because of COVID and working from home. And obviously that, that's been increased. At the minute, obviously, we've got a situation. I'm not sure if it's the same where you are, but certainly in, in uh, the UK where, uh, you know, flights are being cancelled, you know, everywhere mm -hmm. from the airports in the UK. And what's missing is the human element in terms of customer service. Yeah. So do you feel that actually, you know, employers or sectors have introduced technology too quickly in some respects. I appreciate you're saying customer service will be something that will be affected by this, but, you know, where we've got, you know, sort of families whose, you know, flights have been cancelled, there's no one around to talk to, there's no one who gives them any sort of direction. Do you think that's moved too quickly? I think depending on the industry, but then I think generally, yes, because I think the reason why we introduced so much of this technology in the past three years is because we have to keep moving, right? We have to establish that that bridge to make sure that we are sustaining the life that we want to have. Um, and, and the observation you mentioned is totally true. Part of what I used to do is actually creating customer experience. And oftentimes at every touch point we call or moments that matters when it comes to being a customer is that we need to make a decision should this touch point be engaging? Should it be um, uh, uh, empathetic or should it be efficient? So if I put it in an HR lens, right, we can obviously use technology to recruit people very quickly through LinkedIn. However, without the human touch, we might not be able to get the best candidate because you're just really entertaining a certain uh, crowd and sometimes people might not choose your organization because they think that, oh gosh, like I'm really talking to a robot. Does that mean that I would, I would not really like talk to people? Is experience good enough? Because oftentimes what's, what you remember most is experience, is your feelings, is your emotions. So uh, this is, and again, a long answer to your question, but yes, generally I think we're being um, 
too excited about efficiency sometimes that we lost the human touch and ultimately it might hurt us because we are not we how would I say it like uh, we're not empathetic enough to create a sustainable value for for the market but then we're playing catch up I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people like you know reviewing their process right now and and trying to inject human beings back into the process um I, I'm hopeful I'm hopeful we'll, we'll, we'll create a balance and, and it's all about moderation great thank you can I just ask another one sorry uh, Ellen and again, it's, it's, I suppose it's a slightly contentious one, but it's one that I, I have been sort of, you know, asked about by, even by students, not, not necessarily just employers. And that's, you know, a lot of employers are now putting in place sort of well-being um, activities, if you like, you know, uh, yeah. because they're aware of, you know, the sort of um, the stresses of maybe being on a screen too long or working longer yeah. hours. But, you know, what some people have said is that the employers are the one that dictate the hours and they're happy that the employees are working those times. So wouldn't it be better to actually identify that rather than look at putting well-being sort of um, activities instead so is it slightly contradictory do you feel to have that yeah it, it is something that I feel like a lot of organizations are trying to figure out and is this because of pandemic I, I, I think it's way before pandemic because a lot of people right now or at least in new generations they do value work-life balance however um, technology actually blends the line between work and life. And, and in some ways, some may even argue work defines your life because of status, power, uh, resources, money, and all of that. So while we're progressing, I remember the first question that you ask is, uh, how is work changing? Um, I think depending on which generation you're talking to, I feel like work takes a different role in your life. Let's just say Gen Z, what I do observe, it's that um, because we're spending almost 80% of our time at work, um, they they much rather choose a job that has a sense of purpose and, and it's close to what they believe in um, or even give them the identity that they want um, much rather than compensation. And this is kind of the trend that we see. Now, there is a danger to that because once you find something you love, if you can imagine, right, this is definitely me. Like by going to, by going to work, I'm, I'm actually working on myself. It might, um, it might burn out certain people. So the trick here is um, corporations, organizations, or even labor laws will need to help create the, those boundaries. And it's hard to comment from a global perspective because every country has their uh, limiting laws. Uh, but I do see the effort, especially when I was working with the World Economic Forum, is to make sure that we put total well-being measurements as part of the ESG reporting. And, and this is something I'm super passionate about. And that's why I spent seven months writing this paper with WEF and my colleagues. It's, it's because nowadays we look at human being as um, part of the corporate resources. However, we're not totally protecting them. And total well-being, which I'm super excited to say that is part of the ESG metrics now. And we are looking forward to seeing more listed companies to be reporting, monitoring, um, to make sure that we're protecting uh, labors in general. Great, thanks. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Ellen. No problem at all. Um, I think that's all very 
interesting and informative. But sadly, that's all we've got time for today. And Nicole, thank you so much for sharing uh, your insights um, with us today. And it's really great to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. I had such a lovely time. Fantastic. Well, I think we all hope for Crystal Ball and, uh, and know how to future-proof a citizen's ability to work, but sadly that's not realistic. So we'll continue to explore, to obtain new skills, continue to reskill and upskill. Um, but overall, as you say, you know, there are more opportunities out there than risks and using the new ways of working as a baseline because humans are very resilient after all. I hope you all agree with me that there is so much to take away from this episode and for the next episode, we'll look at what researchers say about the future of skills. As always, if you're interested in finding out more about this topic, please subscribe to our podcast series. You can also connect with our speaker today, Nicole, via LinkedIn by searching Nicole Look. You're also welcome to get in contact with us by either sending us an email or book online appointments via the Career Center with Mark. Our details are available in the episode description. Lastly, I shall leave you with a quote by Peter Drucker. The only skill that will be important in the 21st century is the skill of learning new skills. Everything else will become obsolete over time. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care.